It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Are the Dallas Mavericks already in trouble? Calvin Booth got some comments that, uh, well, I'm pretty candid there. Plus, we'll talk about five teams going places this season. Oh, the places you'll go on Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On NBA, your daily source for all things NBA from the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for joining us and making us your first listen. Appreciate you guys being an everyday and checking us out all throughout the week with all of our hosts. You can catch so many great shows throughout the week. Jake Madison, John Corrales on Wednesdays. You can catch Jackson Gatlin on Sunday nights, recapping the weekend with all of our different hosts. You can catch Nick Angstat and Path of the Signer on Thursdays, Wes Goldberg and Adam Mares on Fridays. We've got you covered all throughout the week as the NBA season is set to get started, and we're glad to have you guys along for the ride. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase with the Game Time app. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network and the co-host of Locked On Nuggets. I'm joined, as I am every week, by David Ramil. He's co-host of Locked On Heat. On today's show, we'll talk about the Mavericks and how they're off to, well, not a great start as far as preseason goes. We'll talk about Calvin Booth's comments in the new Ringer piece and about Michael Porter Jr. in particular. And we're going to get to five teams that are going places this season. We've got some ideas for these teams that might be headed in good directions for the upcoming season. We'll start, David, with the Dallas Mavericks. So the Dallas Mavericks decided, we got selected, rather, for the Abu Dhabi games. They go overseas play two games versus the Minnesota Timberwolves and they get absolutely smacked. Like they just get just ran the entire games lost by double digits in both contests. Never really were competitive in either one. Then, then as a scheduling quirk, they just, they do not head home. They stop through Spain and they play a friendly exhibition game versus Real Madrid. So they're in Europe for another week. And so they don't get back until this week into the United States uh, I am, you know, I'm all for making the NBA a global game, but I think it does interrupt your preseason practice habits and it disrupts your training habits, your conditioning habits. And now uh, there has been word from coach Jason Kidd that Luka Doncic is dealing with a calf issue. That was after he had a problem in FIBA that was bothering him all throughout it. Uh, Kyrie Irving's dealing with some soreness in his groin as well. So they've already got some injuries to the two stars. Nothing. It sounds like it's going to be super worrisome and probably won't even keep them out of the opener next week. But I, I will tell you, I am a little concerned about the direction of the Dallas Mavericks. I think for a team trying to write itself after last season's disaster. Uh, I don't think that this is the schedule has helped them much in terms of getting them off on the right track. You know, last week, I jokingly said something about preseason overreactions and whether or not the Dallas Mavericks were already done after their first blowout loss against the Timberwolves. And now here we are a little over a week or two later talking about the very same topic. I'm going to lean the other direction. I actually think it's fine. I think 
the opportunity to travel overseas, I think, is a bonding experience that will probably prove worthwhile later down the season. I think it's I think it's it's good for a team to kind of experience these things together, especially for a team that kind of felt a little bit broken and might still have the potential to be a little bit disrupted over the course of the regular season. The injuries are a concern, but I think we're overstating that just a little bit, right? I mean, I, I, they have world-class level of training wherever they go. I'm sure Kid, you knowing him, probably put them through their put them through their ropes regardless of whether they were traveling or not. He probably had some extensive practices. And these are just the normal ups and downs of preseason that just happens to be magnified somewhat because we see them getting blown out internationally. And so we kind of read into it a little bit. It's not to say that there aren't concerns, and I agree with that. And I think we could, you know, they could absolutely crop up, especially when you have an unknown quotient like Kyrie Irving. But I think you're going to be able to, you know, Luca is still talented enough. I think it's still a good enough roster. I don't see them as kind of explosive, waiting to just combust at some point in the regular season, at least not yet. There's that potential, perhaps, but I don't see them kind of just blowing up right, right away, anyway. Their uh, win total, as far as the betting goes, is. 47 and a half. Uh, I will note the teams that have gone to the Middle East or further East in preseason have gone 13 and five to the under since 2013. It mm. has been, uh, that could be selection bias. That could be any number of things, but, um, small sample, but it's, uh, I think a little concerning. I I'm just a little spooked by it after the warriors and a couple of other teams, actually the wizards talked about it last year about, you don't get the normal training camp experience of okay. um, going somewhere, the normal training, and especially I think the conditioning stuff, like it's hard on the body to travel that much. So that's kind of my concern, um, but you could be right. They, they could be fine. They could just be, Hey, it's not a great start, but they're still so talented enough. And the season's long enough. Like I've wondered about that. Like, okay, this stuff in, in this two weeks in October really impact how they're going to play in January. Like it's two months from now. Like does, does that really matter? Uh, I don't know. Maybe not. So I think it's an interesting question. Um, I do wonder, m- one of the things that I've I've really kind of noticed is from a, from a basketball standpoint, they are, I mean, they're starting Derek Lively. They're starting a mm-hmm. rookie at, they're starting two rookies, one of them at center. And I think Lively is going to be really good. He shows a lot of really good things, athleticism, some shot blocking, like he's got great wingspan, but as most rookies are, he's undersized just from a weight and strength perspective. Um, have you noticed anything with, in terms of Dallas's roster makeup that make you a little bit concerned? Cause that's one of mine is I think they added talent, but I don't know that they out added great talent that fits together. That's like, Oh, they're going to be really good because it all fits together seamlessly. You, you, you think it's a matter of like a glut at a positional glut, perhaps like, I mean, or just a lack of not necessarily talent, but, fit that the pieces don't yeah. fit necessarily yeah yeah that's kind of my concern is that you know they had grant williams who i think is a really good player um can you play grant williams in small ball five yeah <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know like these are the type of things i'm I'm concerned with yeah that, that makes sense I, I mean it's i don't know I, I, to be honest with you i don't think that we've seen like you'd like to see this team play their very best during preseason, but I, I'm just still so stuck in the fact that it's preseason. I We yeah. could be having this exact same conversation a month or two down the road, and I think that matters because I don't know that this team, as combustible <laughs> as it could be, I don't think they have the kind of integrity with Kyrie and everything else and Kid. I mean, you know, he's, a, he's problematic as a coach sometimes, and I think that 
I think that could, we could be talking about this team as like just waiting to blow it up. Luca, obviously very temperamental, frustrated in many ways. Uh, we saw what happened last year too. Like, I, I mean, I think we could be talking about this team down the road, but I'm not prepared yet to, to sound off the death knell just yet. Yeah, I mean, it's still just preseason. I think you're absolutely right. Plus, hey, even if they struggle in the regular season, they can be absolutely <laughs> terrible. They, they can be terrible in the regular season and still, I don't know, just spitballing off the top of my head, make the finals. That's a thing they could do. So, oh, uh, oh. really. what? <laughs> they don't have Jimmy Butler on that roster. That's a difference. You know, that's a guy who knows how to play through adversity. Yeah, come on. You know. True. <laughs> Let alone Tyler Hero. Uh, all right, on the other side. <laughs> we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some cal- some comments from GM Calvin Booth of the Denver Nuggets. He made some comments about MPJ that were interesting. He had a very candid interview with the ringer. We'll talk about that when we continue on Locked On NBA. Let's talk about BetterHelp. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, you know, it's really important to keep, to take care of yourself. It's just really important. And if you're younger, you're probably not in a place where that's been something you've kind of considered. If you're older, you probably have because that's what happens. You get older and you have to take care of yourself. But we do a lot to take care of our bodies. If we are sick, we go to the doctor. But what we don't do is we don't take care of our minds. We don't take care of ourselves. And one of the things that that can do is it can really get in the way of things. If you're distracted by whatever it is that's bothering you, by just things that you need to process, it's going to get in the way of you being the best self. It's going to interfere with your time with family or it's going to interfere with your work it's these things get in the way of us being the best versions of ourselves which we're all kind of trying to be um do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way like you know what you should do what's good for you but you just can't do it well therapy helps you figure out what's holding you back so you can work for yourself instead of against yourself if you're thinking of starting therapy give better help a try it's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime with no additional charge. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOnNBA. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Back here on Locked On NBA. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate you guys being with us on a Tuesday. Matt Moore and David Ramil. 
going through the last week of of trying to come up with with topics that aren't game related but next week we'll be doing our shows uh at the conclusion of the night's games make sure to follow us on twitter you can follow david on twitter at drmel13 and i'm at hb basketball i'll be tweeting out a link to the live show so you can join in the show as well next week after well i guess two weeks from now after the two games. weeks no games so got one more so one more buddy so one more yeah we're, we're gonna preview the games next week so i'm still counting that just we're gonna gonna talk about uh the, the big matchups you know i was at um ball arena last night for a preseason game and it was crazy walking in because it felt like i was just there it felt like i was i i had just walked out and walked right back in from the finals like i'm standing there in the back area in front of where of the tunnel where the players come out and i'm like remembering all the signage of the finals and all of these types of things uh very subtly in the rafters they've made a space in between where some of their things are that they're ready to fill in with the banner next week um but it turns out that that's not the only thing being filled in because kevin o'connor the ringer got filled in on quite a bit from calvin booth gm of the nuggets he had a wide-ranging interview uh feature article over at the ringer with koc and there's a lot in there that's really interesting one of the some of the stuff that i think i'm most interested in is uh about how you don't need roster redundancy which i think is an interesting concept given how they're built now or if somebody gets hurt they don't really have that and they talked, he talks a lot about how he kind of says, um, he basically talks about how Peyton Watson might be better than Bruce Brown. He is, I don't know anyone in the world that is higher on Peyton Watson than Calvin Booth. He just like, he absolutely believes in this kid a hundred percent. All of us around here in Denver think they're really going to miss Bruce Brown for what it's worth. But maybe the most interesting comment was the ones he made about Michael Porter Jr. And it was in relation to Bones Highland. Um, so they moved on from Highland, who was a backup point guard and, and is, I think, playing pretty well in preseason for the Clippers. Has a lot of potential. I think Bones will have a good career. But there was a lot of locker room issues with Bones Highland, uh, both with other players and with the coaching staff. Uh, he was frustrated with – he was put in a tough position because the second unit for Denver is so bad, but also he just played pretty badly. Um, but – I thought that that Booth's comments were really interesting. He said, quote, in the article, I know you couldn't have, I knew you couldn't have two guys that couldn't guard and we couldn't have two guys that were young and kind of more quote unquote me guys, Booth said. Mike, Michael Porter Jr., makes 30 million. He's one of the best shooters in the NBA. So Bones, there's no place for you. Um, And O'Connor goes on to write about how moving Highland freed up minutes for Christian Brown, who made, who came into um his own in the playoffs and made some huge plays in the finals when the heat dared him to kind of make plays off the bounce and i i thought it was going to go badly and he actually filled in really well and made some huge plays in both games four and five um but it was really interesting to, to me to, to see the comments about mpj i've got my own kind of thoughts on it uh what, what's your reaction to those comments from calvin booth about michael Barr jr yeah, it's uh, it is a little incendiary. I at first my my feeling was, you know, it was kind of uh, refreshingly honest, right? Like for a GM to be at least transparent and 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 be so open about the decision making process, which is a lot of what the piece was about, and you know what I think a lot of fans and media members, I'll be honest with you, I, I love to hear uh, accountability, a little bit of access and, and some just clearer understanding of what the thought process is behind some of these decisions, because even as close as we are to these teams, we still get lost on 
the decision and why it happened and the whole process and things of that sort. So I don't know if it added that much more light, but I, I think it was it has the potential to be uh, you know, pretty insulting and and especially coming off of oh here I'm going to flip it even as I'm, I'm speaking this. You know, the thought process is that you want to be able to go into camp and, and the start of the season, you're, you're the reigning champs. Um, you want to be able to to kind of coast on good vibes and things of that sort. But maybe this is Booth kind of recognizing that this team responds better with a challenge. And, and maybe that might be the way to spin this is that he's saying, look, you know, uh, you, you kind of went into the last season. A lot of people didn't expect you to be a title favorite and things of that sort. And, and now... Now that you have won a title, well, you know what? Now it comes to individuals stepping up and being part of a greater collective, which is why the me comment kind of stands out a lot, you know, and, and this is Porter Jr.'s opportunity to kind of understand how to take his game to the next level while also still fitting more effectively. And again, you could speak to this better than I would, but more effectively into the the idea of what the team is trying to build and to help usher in this season and help take this team to yet another level that we haven't seen the building of a legacy, so to speak. Yeah. And he talks, about it, in sorry, yeah, sorry. he talks about it in there that part of the goal with the way they approach team building with all the young guys, he even kind of mentions, like he says at the end of this article, which I think is really interesting. Um, is, is such a contrast to kind of how Milwaukee is going about it. Um, it's better to invest in the future, even if it comes at the expense of immediate glory. Quote, I just want dudes that we try to develop and it's sustainable. If it costs us a chance to win a championship this year, so be it. It's worth the investment. It's more about winning three out of six, three out of seven, four out of eight than it is about trying to go back to back. We'll get to that in a second. My issue, I think, with the MPJ comments is I don't consider that to be a challenge in the right context where... Mm -hmm. What he's basically challenging MPJ on with making these comments public is like, okay, you weren't a me player last year. Can you do it again? <laughs> MPJ sacrificed a ton last year. They hammered him. Hey, we need you to run to the corners. We need you to get out and run to the corners in transition. And the Nuggets were the best transition offense in the league last year in large part because they did have this absolutely deadly three-point shooter in the corner. Um, MPJ focused on rebounding. He focused on defense. He focused on understanding how to not get in the way of what the Nuggets run offensively and to not be a liability defensively. Teams really tried to target him, and I thought it was going to happen a lot more last year. I had very low expectations for him defensively, and he held up. Like It's pretty hard to attack MPJ now. It's just harder to attack him than I thought it was going to be, and the, that's in large part because of the sacrifices that he's made. Um, this is a guy that that very easily would be, I don't know, 25-ish on a bad team. You put him on the Orlando Magic in the place of Paolo Bancaro, and he's putting up 25 a night is hmm. basically what I would say. Like, he is an absolutely elite scorer. Um, now, does he have the three-level handle? No, I wouldn't say that. He needs to work on his handle and, and those type of things. But the shooting, like, one of the things that I've kind of got to in covering the team is I no longer really criticize MPJ's shot selection, because he makes so many of them. Like there's shots where I'm just like, Oh, that's a terrible swish. And then later on, it's like, Oh, come on. You can't be taking that. Thunk. Right. And I'm just like, okay. All right. All right. <laughs> um, and he's worked really hard to get better about all the things that make the offense flow. So yeah. to me, this is kind of like, it's a little unfair to MPJ where, and I, man, I never thought I'd be defending MPJ, but right. 
it is where it's like he did all the things like he's proven he's willing to sacrifice. That's what he said over and over and over again to reporters like me in the locker room is he would say, I honestly don't care. I just want to win. And he did those things. And like, he's a champion. He was a big part of it. Um, one of the things they talk. Go ahead. Can I ask how real quick? No, how, how's he going to respond? Like, how, how does he respond? You know him well. You've, you've seen him. I mean, as well as anybody does in that locker room, right? But how, how does he take these comments? Because he's going to invariably be asked. Like, the piece came out today, and I don't know if anybody had the opportunity to ask him today. But, I mean, I don't think we've gotten any kind of response from him. How is he likely to respond to reporters and then throughout the rest of the season? Is he always going to feel like, oh, man, they're just always watching me like a hawk and they're criticizing everything I do, regardless of the fact that I made those sacrifices that you just spoke about and it still led to a championship and I still don't get the kind of respect that you think I'd earned? Two years ago, he probably would have... Handled it badly. Yeah. Two years ago, he would have been a little bit more honest about it. He would have been... Oh. He would have been. Now, I think what he'll probably say is, I know what kind of player I am. I know what I've, mm. I've, what I've given to this team to help us win. Um, and I'm in a good place with the front office. Like, I think he's learned because he's had enough kind of gaffes with the coaching staff, honestly. Um, like little things in the media that never really made it to the national level. I think he'll handle that okay. But I do think that there will be probably a source of level of frustration. You also got to keep in mind that he's come back from multiple back surgeries. Like, he it, that that kid's had to fight through a lot to come back and be an NBA player. Uh, right. like not a lot of guys have that many back surgeries come back and, and play the role that he did in, in the playoffs for a championship team. Does Michael uh, Malone have to massage egos here? Like, I mean, that's part of the head coaching gig anyway, but does he have to be like the go-betweens like, Oh, that's just Calvin being Calvin. Don't worry about it. Don't sweat I think that's it. what's going to be interesting here because on some level, yes. And some level, I think that the entire team has a, you know, look, we win championships now. That's what we're about. Like, make sure that you're focused on the right thing, which is right. easy for you to say when you're not in MPJ's spot of like, yeah, he got this max, this huge contract from them, right? Got this massive contract from them. Everybody thought it was a terrible deal. And now is like, oh, okay, might be okay. Um, but like, that's not the last contract that MPJ wants. So it puts him in a tough position where if he's going to, you know, get that next deal, he needs to continue to grow his game. And there's kind of a little bit of pressure against that now. So I don't know. We'll be, it'll be interesting, I think, to see how this kind of develops. Um, and you can follow the coverage of that over on Locked on Nuggets. Nuggets. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you a question real quick about the, because uh, you and I talk about the value of veterans all the time. Sure. And a media day for the Nuggets, I asked both Calvin Booth and owner Governor Josh Kroenke about, the importance of developing young guys into the new CBA. And they did talk at pretty at length about how the new structures make it really important. But one of the things that you can kind of tell that Calvin Booth has done when he talks about being willing to maybe not win the champion, you know, not has as good of a champion chance of the title this year and trying to open it up for multiple years. If we look at Milwaukee and, you know, they just got Dame, right. And they're, they're going to be awesome. It looks like that team is going to be absolutely great. But they, one of the reasons they were under a lot of pressure to do a deal like trading Drew Holiday to get Dame was because they were getting to the end of their rope in terms of guys that could help. Like right. They're hoping against hope that Marjan Beauchamp makes a, a leap to being a, a real contributor this season. They were relying on guys like Joe Ingles and Wes Matthews and these guys that are absolutely – it used to kind of be you could get veterans at like 33, 34. Now you're getting them at like 36, 37. And it's just like a lot different. 
And I think there's real value to having those veterans in the locker room. But when you have to have them in your rotation, even if it works, I think it puts it on a very short-term scale. I'm curious on your thoughts on that covering the Heat who have gone a similar but different route in terms of let's develop guys. It just so happens that the Heat take, um, how can I put this, random people off the street and make them into Eastern Conference Finals MVPs. Like, what, What's kind of your per- per- perception on how we're seeing the difficulty of, of loading up on veterans year after year? Well, it's it's kind of interesting because I think you and I talked about this as well in terms of like the the CBA and and how it affects salary building. But I think you're starting to see not an overvaluation, but perhaps you know a, a proper value being ascribed to like great role players. And I think you wind up kind of pricing yourself out of exactly what you were talking about building those teams by acquiring those mid-level guys. Those mid-level guys go to other teams and they get paid by those other teams. And then all of a sudden you have this glaring discrepancy between the top talent like Milwaukee and then like the lower end talent would be these older guys that you can't necessarily count on, especially if you're looking at them from a rotational standpoint. In Miami, it's just, you know, they keep channeling, funneling these guys in and out uh, of, you know, guys that have been part of their farm system. They, they send over to Sioux Falls. One of the things that really stood out in media day was everybody consistently, there is nothing to do in Sioux Falls, whether you like the city or not, concentrate on basketball, mm-hmm. and it helps. It works for Miami, right? They get these guys here, they play well, and, and then they kind of just, they're in the system for a couple of years, and then when they're asked to be rotational level players, they've had a little bit more experience, and I think that kind of works to their benefit. I don't know. It's a, it's a really... It's a really difficult question to ask in terms of like roster building. I think you do need to be able to kind of build that foundation that Booth was talking about, guys that will continue to develop this year, next year, and beyond, especially when you already have your top-tier talent and Jamal and Nicola already locked in, right? Everybody else can kind of price themselves out. It's an interesting question because you're going to see what this team does without Bruce Brown, kind of something you hinted at media members locally saying, well, maybe this team won't be as good without Brown available, but you've got Christian Brown now. You've got other guys that are young enough and maybe they'll step into those roles and kind of help carry the team until its next wave of development takes place. And and I think you still have enough quality veteran leadership there, especially with DeAndre Jordan, a great locker room guy, and he kind of kind of provides a stabilizing presence. Again, not somebody you want to count on to play 15 to 20 minutes a game, but he's there and he provides the kind of leadership role that I think locker rooms desperately need. Good stuff. Uh, on the other side, what are some teams that are going places this season? Hmm. We'll talk about five teams that are headed in the, maybe in, in really good directions. We'll talk about those teams when we return on Locked On NBA. Let's talk about game time. You know, there are so many great venues here in Colorado. On Wednesday, I'm going to Red Rocks Amphitheater uh, to Mm. see Hozier, and I'm very excited. And Mm. it's thanks to game time that we're going to see it because my wife really wanted to go see the show, and she was looking at different options, and I was like, you should check out game time. I'm not kidding. This is not something that I I am making up here. Like, I told her. I was like, hey, you should check out game time and found great tickets on game time, which you can get tickets for any type of event. And what's cool is that they've got tickets right up to the start of the event, even an hour after it starts. It's the place to find last minute seats. You can find exclusive flash deals and sponsor deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. With zone deals, you pick the section and game time picks the seats for an average of 18% savings. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. 
Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price. Guaranteed. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. segment here on Locked on NBA. Thanks for joining us on a Tuesday. Matt Moore and David Ramil. Let's talk about some teams going places, David. We're going to go back and forth and pick out some teams that we think are headed in the right direction, um, even though preseason is just preseason. Let's uh, let's start here. I will start with one. I think right. I think the Memphis Grizzlies are going places this season. Ooh. Now, that shouldn't be that big of a, of a take, considering that they were a top three seed in the Western Conference the last two seasons. But I was honestly pretty down on them, given that if you looked at it, their half-court offense wasn't good enough, they were sluggish, they relied basically on beating up on bad teams and getting out in transition at home. I think they're set to make a major leap. Uh, I've been tweeting about this. If you look at Desmond Bain's numbers in preseason, and look, it's I'm not trying to take too much out of preseason, but it's one of those it's a small data point that's in line with what I'm expecting from him. There is so much to love about how Desmond Bain has grown and expanded his game. He's an efficient scorer. He does a lot. He's able to rebound and pass. His numbers, he's averaging per 36 in the in the preseason. He's averaging 31 points per 36 minutes in the preseason. And he's doing it on great efficiency. Um, Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, couldn't rebound in FIBA to, to save his soul or save Team USA. But guess what? He's got Steven Adams back right next to him. That's going to help good things being heard out of Zaire Williams. Uh, there's a lot of uh, folks around the team that have spoken highly of Zaire. That's something that they need for that other wing scorer that they're going to have a uh, lot of confidence in what Derek Rose is going to bring to the, the team as a backup point guard, replacing Tyus Jones. Obviously they got market smart and then they'll get John Morant back here at, at uh, after 25 games, hopefully. So all that said, uh, I think the Memphis Grizzlies are set to have a really good season. I think their half-court offense is going to be better with Luke Kennard. Uh, I think this team is going to be much better than people are anticipating after such a disastrous year last year where they got way too far out over their skis. Okay. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I think I don't want to go too long on this segment, but at the same time, I don't know that I'm necessarily 
this this team kind of seems like it's right there. We talked about this with in terms of Mavericks. To me, I think this is a team that could combust negatively because you've got these very disparate personalities or guys that are stable or, or more veterans and kind of just focused on winning versus guys that might be still in the process of building their careers and things of that sort. And you want to see Bain, you know, he's getting this big contract that puts a lot of pressure on him to kind of be the next guy or, or to kind of step up and be like viewed around the league as, you know, a star level player who's getting paid star as a star level. And I, I think that could wind up being a little bit to quote Pat Riley, like the disease of me there, a lot of uh, infighting and things of that sort. And I don't think jettisoning, uh, Dylan Brooks necessarily solves that problem either, but we'll see. I look, I, I think they could be very good on the court. I wonder about their combustibility, and maybe Marcus Smart helps, uh, you know, stabilize some of that. But we'll see how that plays out. Um, in terms of a team that I see going places, you know what? I, I like the San Antonio Spurs. I watched them in the preseason. A lot of people talking about Victor Webanyama. I think a guy that is going to benefit from adding Webanyama to the roster. Devin Vassell, really, really good player. And I don't think enough people are recognizing that. And, and look, between the stability of that organization and the fact that they have been a rebuilding team over the last few seasons, they're, I mean, the bar has been pretty low. So they're clearly going places. But I think they're built the right way with the kind of understanding of how to manage expectations while still developing these young guys into sustainable superstars. And I think that's a big part. It's not just get out there, get yours right away. It's about how to translate your skills now as a 19, 20-year-old, et cetera, to you know, a 15, 16-year career that could eventually land you in the Hall of Fame. And I think that's what we're going to start to see out of this team is, is you know, again, a number of wins more than last year, not a low, not a high benchmark to surpass, but I think just kind of building towards that sustainable, solid foundation is an interesting thing for me. Are you a Jeremy Sohan guy? I'm a Jeremy Sohan guy. Uh, he's he's interesting. He's got his moments, certainly. I just I'd like to see it kind of consistently, but uh, I think he's a good player, and I think they've got a great roster. I mean, it's just it's fun to watch, and they're going to be very interesting. I like some. I like a lot of their guys. I haven't liked them together, <laughs> so we'll see if it kind of if it if it gels. But one yeah. of the things I noticed when I did my my season preview work is they just didn't play their best players together at all last year. <laughs> they would play like two of their really good players and three not very good players, or like three very good players and two not very like they never played like lineups of five good dudes because they and that's know. how you get the first pick of the draft you know that's how you get that's how you get victor Webanyama. uh i will go with the indiana pacers who i think mm. are going to be a buzzsaw offensively this year i think they're gonna be a top five offense uh this team is gonna play absolutely so fast tyrese halliburton i was high on him in sacramento and then i did a, a, an in-depth detail breakdown of his passing last year at around mid-season and I walked away saying, like, I think this is the second best passer in the NBA behind Nikola Jokic. Uh, he is unbelievable. Uh, his angles, his placement, the, his ability to find angles and pick and roll, transition stuff, everything. He's got so many passes in the bag. He's efficient as a shooter. I think he's going to maintain that efficiency with higher volume. He's got a lot of weapons. I love the possibilities of him with Bruce Brown and Obi Toppin running in transition. Uh, you know, they've got Benedict Matherin, who's probably going to make a leap. Rick Carlisle seems very centered 
on accepting how this team needs to play, which is a really positive sign for an older coach. And it's cool to see Carlisle kind of adapting to that approach. Uh, they, one of the reasons they moved Chris Duarte is because Duarte is not very comfortable playing that fast. This team is going to run, run, run. And no, they're not going to be very good defensively, but I do think that they're going to be awesome offensively. And I think that they're going to be a team that we talk about a lot more this season. They were on about a 45 win pace with Hal Burton before he got hurt. Then he got hurt. And then they started to shift towards draft positioning. I think this is going to be a playoff team this season. I love the Indiana Pacers. I think they're heading in the right direction. Yeah, I, I think it, it's a good call. I, I love Matt. Uh, 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 sorry, Halliburton. I think he's a, a fantastic player that not a lot of people kind of know about. Maybe it's more on the, the fringe peripheral fan than really not recognizing that name and things of that sort. But I think uh, he's going to grow off of this summer's experience with FIBA. Um, at the same time, I think they've got a good deep roster. Miles Turner is going to be back, and, and he's got holes in his game, but he's just a very good complementary player that not a, a lot of people can kind of recognized for what he does as a three and B player. You know, he's, he's very, very solid as a complimentary guy. Going to get a lot more opportunities now. He found that kind of stability at the center position last year. And I think he's going to be able to continue to build off that. So uh, my next team that I really like, and I'm looking forward to seeing is the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, again, I, you know, maybe it's just me, uh, but I don't think you have to necessarily look at championships as the end all be all. And I know a lot of people will say, oh, you cover the heat. You know, you've been spoiled somewhat. Yeah, maybe. But at the same time, I, I like those teams that just, again, are building towards something. And it might not result in a title, but I like this approach here. And it's interesting that the Nets are this team because they were that a couple of years ago before they abandoned those philosophies to trade for superstars that wound up never playing, never meshing and being a really big disruptive pile of crap. And so now you've got this team that I think has really, really just good complimentary, solid role players. And I think they're going to be a fun, really good defensive unit with some really good opportunities there. I, we talked about this last year, you know, eight, uh, I'm sorry, uh, the head coach has done a fantastic job. Jacques Vaughn slipped my mind there for a second. I think he's done a really good job of getting those guys focused on taking the little steps, making sure that you kind of grow incrementally and bond together for the, you know, again, the goal of winning more than necessarily uh, the goal of just being that great and winning a championship. That'll come. It might. But for now, you you win, you win in the right way, you do the right things here and there, and you get better as a team. And I like the Brooklyn Nets. I think they're gonna be a really fun roster. I agree. Uh, they have the number one offense in preseason. It's preseason, but <laughs> yeah. just a little, little note there. I'm not, I'm not putting stock in that, but we'll see. But number one offense in preseason. It's a bit, not a bad sign, I guess. It's, hey, it's, you know who's the leading scorer in preseason? Tyler Hero. And he, he can't, you know, he can't, he's not even good enough to crack uh, Portland's rotation. So. <laughs> Uh, last one I'll say is Houston Rockets. They just look like they're going to play structured basketball. Love Amon Thompson, Jabari Smith, uh, the whole crew. So I think they're they're in line for a much better season. That's going to wrap it up for Locked On NBA. Thanks for joining us. You can follow David on Twitter at dramil13. I'm at HP Basketball. We'll see you guys again next week. You can catch John Corrales and Jake Madison tomorrow as we get you set all throughout the week in the last week of preseason before the NBA season begins. Thanks for joining us on Locked On NBA. Members. 
You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.